The Boise Bubble Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios. Speak and be heard. Hello, friends. Do you need help finding a place to live in the Treasure Valley? If so, you're out of luck. We can't help with that. But do you know what's not in short supply and overpriced? A Volkswagen Jetta. Volkswagen of Boise has them in stock today. And unlike a home, even a single-income family can afford the classy comfort of a nimble little Jetta. Stop by today for an experience completely devoid of price wars that result in you offering over asking price and overextending yourself. Volkswagen. Guaranteed not to leave you house poor. Need something to distract you from the MLS? Go to www.volkswagenboise.com. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast, where we talk all things Treasure Valley. We're your hosts, Shane and Natalie Plummer. Welcome back to the conversation. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Boise Bubble. Excited to be here today. We're going to be talking about something that is on everybody's mind right now in the Treasure Valley, and that is the housing market. Um, So we're really excited to welcome Jesse Taff. Um, Jesse, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of, uh, I guess, why we invited you on today? Yeah, definitely. And excited to be here. Thanks for bringing me on. But uh, so I am a licensed realtor here in the Treasure Valley area, do business from Boise to Caldwell all the way up to McCollin Riggins um, and have a pretty good uh, idea of, of what's going on in the housing market, being in and out of it every day. Um, and also run uh, with my you know, go to preferred lender, a YouTube series called Buying the 208, where we talk about mostly housing related topics, but a lot of local stuff as well. So for any other questions or um, things that you guys are looking into or uh, want to find out, definitely check that stuff out uh, as well as this podcast to, to get more information on what's going on right now. How long have you been doing Buying the 208? Uh, it's It's been about a year so far. So usually we put out a new uh, episode or um vlog, you could say every two weeks. Uh, and again, a lot of it's housing, but not all of it is. So try to keep it local as well. Cool. Yeah. I learned a lot of things I learned about Top Golf <laughs> from yep. you guys, which is really cool. I love it. I love listening to you guys. And so we're excited that you're here today, uh, especially because, you know, people in the Valley have some strong feelings <laughs> about uh. housing right now. Is that an understatement of 2021? No, I think that it's, uh, I think that most of the people that are, that have been here for a long time that don't really plan on leaving, they're probably the most tense, I think, because they see things just rising around them all over the place. And um, it seems like we're in this area where, or this time where you just can't afford a house or the same house that you could afford five years ago or 10 years ago. Um, And that strikes a chord with a lot of people. Yeah. Yep. And and like you, I mean, we'll kind of go through some of the I guess the the points and reasons maybe how we've gotten here and and what to do going forward. But the one thing I will say is, of course, there's going to be a lot of uh, opinions, strong opinions one way or the other uh, about the topics that we'll touch on. But I'll do my best to keep them uh, just facts and figures and try not to speculate too much and let you guys decide where where you think uh, this housing market is headed. We'll lead you to speculate at the right times. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll take care of you. All right. Well, one of the questions that we're getting a lot, I think you're probably getting mm-hmm. a lot, is are we in a housing bubble? And can you talk a little bit about that, your thoughts, yes or no, and I guess what that means. What does a housing bubble mean? It's a term we, we throw around a lot. 
Um, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, good question. So my personal opinion is that we are not in a housing bubble. Um, we are in a crazy market right now, rapidly appreciating, rapidly growing. But uh, to be in a bubble, something, quote unquote, has to be inflated. And also at the flip of a switch or the drop of a dime has to pop and essentially come collapsing down upon itself. And I don't believe the housing market we're in is in that scenario right now. Um, and with that being said, of course, it it's natural and healthy for any market, real estate especially, to go through fluctuations, up some up movement, some down movement. But I don't believe that what we're in right now is an actual bubble where we're going to see a 50%, 100% crash. Mm -hmm. um, I do think the reasons that we have gotten to this point um, are legitimate and there is no actual inflated value or uh, inflated reasons that this market has gone up so quickly. And do you think that's a lot to do with our availability right now of just mm -hmm. houses? Yeah, exactly. So really my, I mean, there's, there's dozens of reasons, but kind of have three laid out. And my number one reason is uh, supply and demand. And a lot of these figures and reasons are not just the Treasure Valley. This is nationwide that we're seeing this type of housing market escalate. So it isn't just local. Um, we're seeing it probably, you know, the, the highest rate across the U.S., but it is happening in other cities as well. Um, so, yeah, supply and demand is what drives all markets, and that is the biggest reason how we've gotten to this point is there's not enough inventory of homes and a significant surplus of buyers. So uh, to put that into perspective, July of 2007, so just before you know, what was the, the last housing bubble and crash, there were 4 million homes for sale. Uh, this year, so early 2021, there's only 1.03 million homes for sale. So that's 3 million home deficit from 2007. Nationwide. Nationwide, correct. Um, so for the dummies of us in this group, <clears throat> and I'll speak for the masses, um, if there's a nationwide trend to fine housing, which is driving prices up nationwide, where are the people coming from? Is it all from metro areas that are bleeding off into the majority of the other parts of the United States that are not metro, suburb, rural? Mm -hmm. is, yeah. that the, is that the the trend is mass exodus from the metropolitan hubs? Uh, that's adding to it, yeah. So, you know, this is obviously just, just a, a podcast, but if there are a way to show a graphic, I have a, a really cool infographic that shows where the trends of moving are happening. And in general, East Coast to West Coast is a big uh, migration. And then West Coast uh, urban, so large metropolitan cities to suburban, so smaller metropolitan cities like Boise, Salt Lake City, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, Montana, etc. So urban to suburban and then suburban to rural. So that's kind of the general trend. Mm. But along with that is a lot of new buyers coming in, not necessarily moving, but a lot of new buyers coming in that have hit a point in their life where they qualify to purchase or uh, a lot of first time home buyers trying to take advantage of the current, you know, uh, low interest rates in the current market and essentially come next year have you know a lot of equity and uh, grow their Interest and rates it's hard for me. Because, oh, sorry. I was just saying, uh, going on that. We have all these new home buyers, but trends are showing that people are staying in their homes much longer. We have a, a large population of, um, of I guess, uh, senior citizens that are staying in their homes. And so those homes aren't becoming available like they used to be. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what's hurting the the inventory. So people are staying in their homes longer. We are adding new buyers, especially along the West Coast and some of the West Coast suburban or smaller metropolitan cities. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of a, a perfect storm, essentially. But um, back to the, the supply and demand. So um, everyone's kind of referencing what happened in 2000, 2007, 2008 to what we're seeing right now, um, though the markets are completely different. So in 2007, 2008, um, again, we had almost three times as many homes for sale. And a lot of those were new construction. So builders were building purely on speculation. So they were saying, yeah, we'll build it and they will come. Right now, it's the exact opposite. All of our new construction and builders are building to keep up uh, or try to catch up to the um, amount of demand that we have. So there's no speculation. They know if if they build 10 homes right now, all 10 of them are going to be sold. Mm. We, we were actually uh, hit pretty hard in 2007. We bought a home in January of 2007, mm. and the market crashed within months of that. It was like the worst time. <laughs> to it, buy was, a house. it was it <laughs> yeah. was a mess, and we lost a lot of money on that moving. Um, you know, it ended up being fun. Uh, we ended up having a prostitute squat in our home oh, wow. when it was a rental for a while. And, and that yeah, was, lots of fun. It was super great. <laughs> and then, you know, just uh, having to make up that difference. So uh, it that bubble burst we mm-hmm. we definitely were, were were not fans of that but no, we took our licks yeah <laughs> like a lot of people <laughs> yeah that but took, it does feel very different than that than that time mm-hmm. um if you if you went through that it, it does feel different yeah before you go on um i'm curious about your points but just for context the interest rate these days is remarkably low mm-hmm. what are the current rates and how do you compare those to like when our parents were buying houses interest rates were so much higher than they are these days mm-hmm. um, compared to like the 90s or the 80s. Where are we and where do we come from? Yeah, good question. So rates right now obviously fluctuate and, um, you know, I'll just quote what, what I'm seeing marketed out there. But typically we're in that 3% plus or minus a, a quarter of, or an eighth of a percent, depending on the buyer, mm-hmm. uh, which is on on the terms of scale, the lowest ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so historical lows, you know, we've seen it almost touch 2.5, but in general, anything below four or 5% is extremely, extremely good. Um, like you mentioned, uh, several generations ago when they were purchasing, they, they easily were in the double digits. You can't um, even imagine that. Mm-hmm. We just refinanced our 15 year note. And what were we like? 2.25. Yeah. yeah yep. It was crazy. We're like, how can you not do this? <laughs> yeah. Almost, almost, you know, free money yeah, essentially. Exactly. Uh, but so that, that, that's helped and aided a lot of the uh, buyer demand is taking advantage of historically low uh, interest rates. Mm. Wow. So finishing up your thought on what brought yeah. us here. What yeah. Yep. You have? So uh, another <clears throat> main reason why I guess uh, this isn't a housing bubble is, of course, the financial side. So we talked about supply and demand. Finances is the other big piece and really was the main driver for the 2007-2008 bubble and the, the bubble exploding, essentially. So um, the difference is right now the credit scores on average for uh, home buyers is 80 points higher than it was in 2008. So just just with that, you know, you can, you can um, justify that the buyers are, are more qualified for the loans that they are getting right now. Um, also, in 2007 to 2008, there was an 81% increase in subprime loans, which essentially is an underqualified buyer um, receiving 
a loan knowing that they are a risk, a higher risk. So there was an 81% increase um, in subprime loans in the, you know, during the, the 2007 bubble. Right. Um, and then the other piece, which uh, I think is probably the most important, is the average equity that Americans hold in their homes today is $200,000 in equity. And, and what that means is if we did have a correction or let's say, you know, this is a bubble, you'd have to have the market crash significantly before anyone's over their head and having to start either foreclosing or figuring out how to you know, pay their bills. So um, there's a huge buffer that we have now that would s- kind of stop that domino effect if something were to change in the housing market. And that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Well, s- sort of encouraging. Yes. <laughs> Prices are still going up, so people have concerns about affordability, mm-hmm. whether or not they can afford housing. Um, we had an interesting conversation before this podcast about philosophy and some tough love that you have to give clients sometimes about purchasing. Mm-hmm. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, yep. So I guess uh, ways to navigate or um, still be able to purchase or invest in real estate in, in this market as prices go up. And I guess the, the biggest one that I I do personally and also recommend is to start to get creative. So there's, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, um, of course, money, you can't just grow it out of thin air, but you can, there's creative ways to make it work. So, um, some of it is one, you, you might, you know, some of these buyers might actually qualify for more than they think because rates are so low. Um, you know, out here in Idaho, there is still a lower cost of living than other states, even though the housing price has gone up significantly. So there's a lot of people that think they're priced out of the market, but they might not be. Um, So it's worth looking at. And then some of the other uh, creative ways, which we, you know, if you go to larger markets, Seattle, Portland, California, um, Denver, you see this more often where a lot of people purchase their first home with multiple buyers. It's not just, you know, John buying a home on his own. It's John and two of his friends. Um, so that is going to be, that's going to start happening more and more here just to make sure one, you still have the opportunity to grow your wealth in real estate and, uh, you know, afford your bills. The other one is, you know, what we call house hacking. So, uh, you may not feel comfortable with a $2,000 a month mortgage, but let's say you qualify for it. If you purchase that home, you can easily find two, three roommates and cover down to what you feel comfortable, you know, putting out on a monthly basis. Um, and then uh, also Idaho in general, the, the federal government's looking at some of these programs as well for first time home buyers. But Idaho has some of the best first time home buyer programs out there uh, to allow either low down payment, though you may qualify, you know, a high income or good income and credit score, but not as much cash on hand. Idaho has some of the best first time home buyer programs, which, um, you know, a lot of a lot of our clients have been able to take advantage of and uh, find success even in this difficult market. Are you able to steer your clients, uh, your clients in those directions? Hey, here's where you might go to and here's some pro some specific programs that you might yeah, qualify for. Exactly. Yep. So so, you know, putting them in touch with a, a lender that we trust is probably the first step. Um, and they are usually the the experts on that end. So if a certain buyer falls into the criteria that meet these, let's say the the first time pro uh, first time home buyer programs in Idaho, then it could be presented to them as an option to either go this route or, you know, go a more conventional type loan program. 
My mind goes back to your comment about uh, maybe people can afford more or qualify for more than that more than they thought. Mm -hmm. It feels irresponsible to push people into a mortgage that they can't sure. necessarily afford because we're still in a position here in the valley where uh, wages and salaries have not caught up, uh, you know, proportionately to the housing market. And so, yes, lower cost of living, but lower salaries are trying to. We're having to stretch those salar salaries a lot more to afford housing. Mm -hmm. So, yep, and that's that's kind of one of you know my biggest concerns i would say to to see if this continues either up or at least flattens out at some point is the uh the not necessarily cost of living but the the income and salary gap for what the housing market is showing and uh i i do think that we'll catch up to that and i you know i've i've already been seeing it in some of the other businesses that i run where employers are starting to increase for sure their minimum wage, but ideally even their, their middle to, to higher end income earners as well need to start bumping up to keep up. But um, one of the things is a lot of the, the, the buyers moving into this area are, you know, either remote work, which is extremely common right now. Um, so that would be a concern if that, that ever changes remote work maybe is not as uh, open or viable in the future. Mm. And then also they, um, they're able to come here and have a little bit of buffer in income. Let's say they can't remote work and then go find something to provide the income that they need. So, you know, this, this era or generation is filled with entrepreneurs, you know, taking advantage of online, online sales, you know, social media, or just starting up their own businesses. And Idaho and Boise is kind of set up to allow for a lot of that. So um, yes, some of our typical, salaried employee type positions aren't quite there yet, but more and more people are finding their, you know, side hustles or completely replacing their income with their side hustles, which uh, is allowing them to continue to purchase even though prices have gone up. We know a little bit about that. Yes. Fingers crossed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's say somebody's coming to you and uh, cause it feels like the rules have changed. I mm. mean, in, in every arena, um, someone's coming to you and they want to buy what are you? What are your basic rundowns, your points for purchasing right now, uh, in the Treasure Valley? Yep, great, great question. So yes, that does happen <laughs> every day. Yeah. Um, so the the first thing that I say is, you want to set expectations. So it's difficult right now, but not impossible. Um, so yes, we'll we'll probably run into some heartaches. You know, you may or may not get that first or second home that you put an offer on, but. Uh, it's not impossible. We've been able to get every one of our clients uh, into a home uh, that works for them or maybe, you know, the perfect setup. Uh, the other one is, hopefully it's not too late for anyone listening, but plan ahead is the, the most important thing to start doing right now. Uh, it used to be where you could start looking at homes online, you'd get pre-approved or pre-qualified. You could go, you know, take a couple weekends, see some homes and then decide on those homes two weeks later and say, yeah, let's put an offer on this one and get it. Uh, unfortunately, that that doesn't happen right now. So every buyer is is taking significantly longer to get into a home or get an accepted offer. So start early is the, the biggest uh, piece of advice I have. So do you have any metrics? I mean, what kind of time frame or duration are you telling people, Hey, it might take us a month. It might take us six months to find you a place. What are you seeing? Well, yeah. So really both. I mean, it could still happen in the first weekend. Like we, we have a handful of clients that come to us, call us on a Monday, get them pre-approved and we find them a home that weekend. But, uh, if, 
if at all possible, plan ahead so you can decide, well, maybe new construction is what I want or this area is what I want so I can start looking or maybe uh, to get to the price point I need, I need to make this adjustment with you know my debt to income or my credit score. So um, it can happen very, very quickly still, but it's still, you know, it, it's my advice to start a little bit earlier so you have a little bit more options and uh, can can make an educated decision and not feel so rushed into uh, what you're purchasing. How problematic is it to compete with people who are coming with cash? It's it's difficult, um, and I know that's what everyone's seeing and hearing. Uh, the honest or what our experience is, not every home is getting cash offers. Um, it happens. It happens way more frequently than it used to, but you're not going to be competing with that on everything. I would say maybe one in five to one in seven homes actually get a cash offer. It feels like the stories and the anecdotes mm-hmm. that people remember are, oh, yeah, we got outbid by somebody who bought this house sight unseen or, or offering you know X thousands of dollars over asking price. How common is that really? Yep. Because when you hear the stories, it makes it sound like it's happening all the time, that that's the, that that's the norm. But I wonder if it is. Yeah, great question. So most of the time when people share those stories, they're always the, the eye-catching story. So it went for X amount over asking and it was a cash buyer. You know, they never even saw it, et cetera. So that's what everyone shares and promotes, but isn't what's always happening. So, of course, there are pockets where it happens more frequently. So you know, Southeast Boise or the Boise bench or certain communities uh, that are highly popular, it might happen more often, but across the entire area, it's, it's, you know, not more than 15, 20% of the time, which is a high number, Mm -hmm. but it's not one in 10 or one in five. Yeah, sure. Yep. Are you having to steer people away from certain sections that they're really wanting to be in just with the different changes? Um, yes and no. So it kind of just depends on, you know, how, what, well, what their, what their budget is, of course, that's usually the biggest uh, determining factor on where they can start shopping. But, um, we, we really leave it up to them to decide, you know, if you want to be in this area, we'll just let them know what the requirements might be. And, you know, like for Boise bench, for example, most likely you're going to be competing with some very strong offers, uh, and may have to bring extra money to the table, if you want to get that particular home significantly over asking price. So if they are able to do that, let's, let's keep fighting in this area. If they're not, what's your next, what's your second choice or what, what would be a, a, another suitable area for you? What do you think is the most accessible area right now for people? Oh, new construction, to be honest. And like in general, new construction, it's, it, it's about 60% or more of the total sales that are happening right now. Cause not a lot of homeowners are actually selling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has more options and the depending on the area and the builder, you might not have quite the escalation that you'd have on an existing home. Um, but in terms of like, a, um, city location, Kuhn is a, a great area. Um, you know, you're still within driving distance of downtown Meridian or downtown Boise. And then that uh, North Nampa area is growing quite rapidly um, where you can still pop right down to the freeway and make it into you know, either downtown Nampa, downtown Meridian or downtown Boise still. I'm surprised by what you said that uh, new homes are one of the main options for people, especially with uh, building material prices right now. It is 
crazy. I, mm-hmm. I can't even re- remember what OSB is up to right now. <laughs> I mean, what was it? Five years ago, it was eight bucks a sheet or something. And now it's what? 50, 60 bucks a sheet for OSB. Mm-hmm. How can new construction be more affordable than buying existing? Yeah, good question. So it's, it's more the competition because, you know, existing homes and new construction homes, both of them have risen roughly at the same rate. Um, it's more with an existing home that's already there, ready to go. You can move in in 30 to 45 days. It, you might have more buyers. So instead of, it, let's say, a $500,000 asking price, because it has more demand and more buyers and more offers, maybe you're looking at 530 now. And that $30,000 difference could be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of the new construction we're seeing, if, if it's listed at 500 you have a very good chance of getting in at 500. Um, so that's where it's not necessarily more affordable, I would say, but there's going to be less competition, which um, Got it. makes it a little easier to get into. Mm. Well, obviously this is a seller's market if you're going to tell <laughs> it something, but you, it's not just simple enough. It's just, you can put your house on the market. You can go check on Zillow, put price at 50,000 more. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, some, there's new rules for sellers as well. Uh, what would you say to people who are interested in, uh, interested in taking advantage of this right now? Yeah, yep. So I guess the uh, um, the main points would be, one, this, this can't last forever. So, you know, no one or very few people are perfect at timing the market, you know, stock market, real estate market, whatever it is. So, one, it can't last forever. So if you're, if you're considering or thinking about or need to sell to either move, buy, upsize or downsize, you know, this is quite possibly the best time ever to do that. Um, but it is important to know that pricing still does matter. Even though prices have gone up significantly, there's a lot of you know, buyers out there. Some of them are desperate to find something. You can't just throw a random number at the wall and, and hope it sticks. It, it could negatively affect you. So pricing is still extremely important to price you know, at value um, or maybe slightly above if you want to try and push it. But if you go too high, it's going to sit for a while and you'll probably end up, you know, selling for less than you would have. Of course, if you price too low, um, it's going to be extremely, extremely busy and you're going to you know, be fielding dozens of offers. Um, so pricing accurately is still very important. Uh, and then the other piece is, uh, again, if you if those who do have a reason to sell, um, there is still a great net benefit to selling and then possibly purchasing that next home. So, you know, if, again, if you're looking to upsize or downsize, um, or if you, you have to move out of state for any reason, then uh, selling and then repurchasing still has its benefits, even though prices have gone up. It sounds like the thing you don't want to do is sell and then wait for the bubble to burst because <laughs> <laughs> that might be a dangerous situation. It feels like it's even difficult for people to find rental housing these days. There's mm-hmm. such a demand for multifamily housing that um, if you did sell your house, your likelihood of finding a rental spot is mm-hmm. not as secure as it once was. Yeah, yep. And, and there are quite a few people that are uh, realizing how much equity they have and selling and saying it's it's kind of a, a balance of risk, risk reward. So saying, okay, let's sell, let's cash this out. I'll have control over the equity I have. And then I'm going to rent. So yeah, I won't have the benefits of if the prices continue to go up, but they kind of cover their downside if they truly believe this is a bubble. So, you know, I'm not personally doing that, but there are a lot of people doing that. So it all kind of just depends on um, one, where you think this market's headed and how you want to control that potential downside risk. 
Um, but to your point on rentals, yes, it, the, the housing purchase and sale market is extremely busy. The rental market is just as busy or, or worse potentially. We've heard of people having to go to um, Airbnb solutions yes, because of the scarcity of rental properties, which seems like the least cost-effective <laughs> way to go about it. But mm-hmm. I guess great for whoever is renting out the Airbnb, but people are desperate these days that they're even considering that option is mind-boggling to yeah. me. Bananas. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about the accuracy of Zillow. When you've got a client that comes in and says, man, Zillow tells me that uh, my house is worth a million dollars. How accurate is Zillow in, is it helping you with client expectations or is it making great, it more work? Yep. Great, great question. And uh, so Zestimates, uh, you know, in the industry, they're, they're definitely frowned upon. Um, Sometimes they can be accurate, and usually it's by pure luck. Uh, most of the time, they are very inaccurate. Do they skew more expensive, or do they skew less? Well, expensive? to be honest, it fluctuates, and I've I've just went through this with a, a few uh, potential properties we have coming up uh, for sale, and right now it's actually looking like Zillow's on the high end, so they're they're skewing upwards. Whether that's intentional or not, I'm not sure. Um, but the the biggest or the, I guess the worst piece with all that is of course every every one of the major websites has their own estimation tool uh, automated estimation tool which again does not take into account seeing the property in person this is purely off statistics and the uh, real estate data that they have access to which a lot of times isn't all of the data anyways um, but for a specific property that you know uh, we put together a, a comparable market analysis for was purchased two years ago Zillow had it, um, and these are just rough numbers, but the difference will be accurate. Zillow had it at six hundred thousand. Realtor.com had it at five fifty. Redfin had it at four hundred eighty. So we're talking over a hundred thousand dollar difference between the three major websites that you know eighty percent of the population uses. Mm. So, one uh, to answer your first question, yes, they are they are very inaccurate. A lot of the time, sometimes they may get lucky and it's close, but it's definitely not something anyone should make a decision off of. Um, the best way to go is, uh, you know, to talk to your trusted real estate agent and have them actually run some numbers, um, take a look at it in person if possible, and then give you a very, very accurate idea of what the market value would be. Can I circle back to Natalie's <clears throat> to Natalie's previous question about uh, advice for buyers? Mm-hmm. Like if someone is wanting to buy, we talked about setting expectations for duration might take a little while. Mm-hmm. What else do you tell them? I mean, with the inventory going so quickly, they've got to be ready to move. Mm-hmm. People have to be ready to make a move very quick. Along those same lines, what else do you tell them? What else are you advising them to be ready for? Yeah, good question. So it, like I mentioned, it used to be you have maybe five, 10 days to think about something and make an offer. Right now, it's um, within the, the same weekend it's listed is essentially when you need to decide if you want to make an offer or not. But um, it, and that sounds scary because it is just a couple of days, but that's where going back to planning ahead kind of covers all of that is if we start a little bit earlier than when you need to, you have a chance to go see two, three, six, seven homes before you're in a place where you need to make that decision. So I'm hearing from you that people need to be ready after they walk a a home Mm -hmm. to say yes or no. Yes. Yep. Which is what happened with our house. We actually, we bought our house uh, 11 years ago Mm -hmm. 
And we spent eight months looking. I mm. walked through 80 homes. Oh, wow. <laughs> 80 homes because, uh, you know, I had an idea, mm-hmm. floor plan. But we walked into this house that we are in, and it was priced so well. And I was like, put an offer on right now. Yeah. I just, because I, uh, my agent told me the most important thing you can do is to know what you don't want. And then, um, so you, when you see what you want, you, you know, you know, yep. but it was not, I mean, we, I can't fathom going, seeing one house and saying, yes, I, cause I had 80 homes <laughs> to compare it to, but it's a yeah. totally different time. Mm-hmm. And it feels like now there is a need that you, you're going to have to let go of some of the ideas for home ownership. Like there, we've talked about that as a couple at this point, we actually had thought we'd be maybe building our dream home. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, actually our home now is going to be our dream home and let's just really invest in that uh, because, you know, everything's changed so much. But there was this idea of, okay, well, I need my perfect home that has the perfect um, laundry room and it has these big spacious uh, closets. And I think everyone's kind of tucking in and realizing having a home is such a privilege and it's not about those Mm -hmm. little details anymore, which, you know, is sad. So people can't be can't afford to be as particular on their checklist. Mm -hmm. What are the absolute essentials that we need? Mm -hmm. And does this home check them for now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we used to say, okay, well, I want to live in this, uh, this school district, because that was one of the big things for us. Of course, with uh, how populated, um, well, Meridian specifically is where now we actually got kicked out of our school that we chose our house for, because it was too busy. And so they bus us across town. But it's, it's funny, because I'll hear people say, that are wanting to move here. Well, we really want to find a good, uh, we, what are the best school districts and, um, where should we be looking if we want this in this proximity? And they'll, they'll, they'll be discussing on these local boards. And now everyone's like, are you joking? (laughs) You don't get to choose that anymore. Mm -hmm. Good luck if you want to come here at all. And it's such a different conversation. We, we, we hired somebody in my, in my previous company that had moved from California and, um, their expectations whenever they came, they were looking at land and just talking about, oh, I'd like to buy at this place and that place. And this is during the recruiting process before we'd even, um, maybe it's post offer, but we extended the offer and the person said yes. And they're just their checklist, their expectations mm-hmm. were, I thought, yeah, I'd like that too, buddy. I'd love <laughs> to have a house in this spot and this much land and A, B, and C. And they still haven't found something. And they're so frustrated because of the expectations that they came here with. Well, we did that too. When we came, we actually told our realtor we would like a colonial or a craftsman on an acre because mm-hmm. we moved from Tennessee. And she <laughs> said, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. We're like, wait, why don't you have craftsmen, craftsmen and colonials in, and I still don't know why we don't have them. <laughs> like, uh, those are really great uh, homes. But, and she, she, I did appreciate our realtor who set us, our expectations very quickly of mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what we have here. And, and this is what, and to move forward so that there wasn't, our disappointment lasted not very long. Mm-hmm. There was a sting and like, okay, well, we're in a new place and we yep. need to adapt. Mm-hmm. And uh, we love our house. I mean, took some time, but we got mm-hmm. it to where we wanted to. I'm just glad we're in a house. Seriously, every, yeah. every day I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that we bought our house. Exactly. So like you said, it, it's, it's a, a privilege of course, to, to own a home. Um, it, it's something that a lot of people want and try and aspire to. But right now, like you mentioned, you can't necessarily be the, the pickiest ever. Um, but it also, this is something I tell mostly our, our first time home buyer clients is 
real estate kind of builds on itself. So, you know, we're talking the average equity is $200,000. This first home that you find probably isn't 100% perfect for what you've been envisioning the last, you know, 10, 15 years, but it will probably get you closer to that home. Uh, because again, real estate continuously grows in any 10 year period, it's always up. Uh, so this is kind of, you know, real estate kind of is like stepping stone. So get your first home. Hopefully it meets for sure all your essentials, hopefully a few bonus items. And then maybe in two years, you can step up to the next one or three years or four years, uh, depending on, you know, how the market goes. So um, don't, like you said, don't come in with the, the grand idea that you're going to get that uh, movie style mm -hmm. dream home that you've always envisioned. Um, hopefully we can get that for you, but it's probably not too likely. Um, but getting into a home itself is should be, you know, the first goal and then um, let that let that kind of help uh, help grow and build to get to your dream home. How often do you have to crush someone's dreams? <laughs> not not that often. Luck, oh, luckily, good. yeah, luckily, uh, since real estate is such a hot topic, really across the country, most most people uh, are are fairly well educated on what's happening, what to expect, um, really what the first major steps are too, which is of course looking online to see what's even possible. So they usually have a, a very um, good idea of what what to expect and uh, reasonable expectations and, and vision for what they want. It seems like a hard time to be an agent. <laughs> What's it like to be a real estate agent right now? Yes. I, so, yeah, I would say, I mean, it, it's great. I love it. It is difficult, though. And uh, really for a couple of reasons, it, the market, in, and I say this personally and can speak for almost every other real estate agent I know and talk to, we don't really like this market. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of us are invested in real estate, our personal homes or rental properties, and we like to see the appreciation. But I, I do not want to see it continue like this because it is more difficult for us. And our job, hopefully, you know, most of the people's reason for getting into real estate is to help other people accomplish their, their real estate goals. And it's very difficult to do that right now. So um, the market has made it significantly harder for uh, buyers. So that means, you know, every buyer takes significantly more time for us than it used to two, three years ago. Um, also, since there's less homes available, it takes potentially twice, three times, four times as long for those specific clients to uh, find that property. And then uh, the other piece is everyone sees and hears about real estate and the price is going up. So there is a there is a, a huge surplus of real estate agents in general. And uh, again, this is nationwide. There's more real estate agents than there are listings across the U.S. How are people making it? I mean, are they switching <laughs> jobs or I mean, <laughs> it, there's a very, very high turnover rate. So the the statistics are 80 percent of new licensees won't renew their license. So that means within the first two years, they um, quit or, you know, don't don't succeed enough to provide the income that they are expecting and don't renew their real estate license. So what are agents and agencies doing to be more competitive with each other? Um, I would say it, I mean, it still comes down to personal connections, you know, trust, uh, experience. And then the other pieces is, you know, especially on the listing side, being creative on how to get that property marketed out there to as many eyes as possible to try and, you know, get, get your client or the seller, the, the highest price. Um, so a lot of it is just continuously improving and tweaking on the practices that we, we do have, and then can, uh, building and growing 
your connections and relationships around the area. Are agents resorting to reducing their fees? Because I know that in the mm-hmm. past, realtors are notorious. Yep. There is no fluctuation on the fee. And you ask anything like that, it's like you ask for a naked photo. And they're like, no. Heck no. Yep. Get out of my, my don't, office. Don't ask for naked photos. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's very uh, in, personal. Just, just don't do that. Like, where are we at? Are they to that point right now where they're considering less? Uh, good question. So there are some brokerages locally or nationally. Um, and then, of course, you know, some uh, individual agents that are doing that. Um, and, you know, that might be a good fit for a lot of people. But I, I always say kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because there is still, you know, this is a lot of people's career, so we can't do it for free. So there is a point where let's say you provide a discount that's coming from something. It's either their time, their service, their marketing. So uh, it may not in the, in the long run, that discount might look like a nice dollar sign saved, but it might amount to, you know, missing out on some other of value. So here's a comment from the peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. I'm no economist, but <laughs> realtors seem to be the only group that have been able to maintain a fixed fee for so many years of 6%. <laughs> In any other market, that's called collusion, mm-hmm. where everybody is fixing a price. How is it that realtors can do that? Maybe this is a little bit direct, but I'm one for direct questions. Yeah, yep. So in just... So the, the fee has definitely stayed similar. And like you said, it, it does fluctuate and there are you know discount opportunities recently, but the cost to the real estate agent hasn't stayed the same. So that's where, uh, yes, prices are going up. So every commission, if it's based on a percent, goes up slightly, but so it has our time and expenses. So, and, and this is, it's different for what most people see or do day to day. So it isn't a salary, you know, post-tax, all that, everything, uh, every dollar that comes in has some sort of expense expense already allocated for us. So taxes, brokerage fees, marketing, you know, no health insurance, none of that's covered. So there's no benefits. There's no 401k. Uh, So all those type of things continuously go up just like, you know, Mm -hmm. the the costs across the U.S. have gone up. Um, And that's where the expense has stayed pretty similar mm. when even though the home prices have gone up. So the the profit margin, you could say, um, because, you know, how I look at it is being a real estate agent is a, a standalone business. The profit margin has stayed about the same or actually gone down a little bit because of the time input per client right now. Wow. It's interesting because you're having to market yourself so mm-hmm. much. And I've, I've noticed if a real estate agent hasn't harnessed uh, social media in general or some kind of interesting marketing. You're doing YouTube, um, which is one of the reasons I've learned so much about the housing market just watching your YouTube channel, mm-hmm. that it's it's like a second job, just marketing yep. yourself. And that, uh, and I, f- I find that really impressive because there are definitely, um, if you want to be a successful agent, you do have to really just push in so hard on marketing yourself in creative ways mm-hmm. because the, the competition is so intense. Yep. Yeah. And, and so I, I am an individual agent, but I also run a team a waypoint real estate group and we have uh, nine to 10 agents right now. And the first thing that I tell them, especially the new ones that come along, uh, being a real estate agent, you know, understanding contracts, pricing, negotiating, 
is is not the hard part of being a real you know being in real estate to be successful you have to be a very good marketer and uh, not necessarily salesperson but really good at marketing and making personal connections so the the most successful real estate agents are the ones that are expert marketers and they understand contracts negotiating and pricing yeah, and help you walk through the biggest financial decision <laughs> of your life. Yep. I mean, I our, I loved our agent uh, because I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. She knew what she was doing. And uh, so I could kind of take that off of myself. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I'll, I will put the money in and, and I'll just listen to you. And it was mm-hmm. a good choice. Natalie had asked earlier about advice for um, buyers. What do you advise for sellers? I mean, for someone that says, hey, I'm ready to make the move and put this thing on the market, are you advising them on specific upgrades, on things that they need to do to the properties? Like, what are the trends that are going to help sellers sell a house? Good, good question. So for most properties, there isn't necessarily anything we'd actually recommend they need to do to get it sold, um, just because most things are are selling right now if you price and market market them correctly. But if they want to maximize the potential value of their home and have the funds to do some sort of remodel or improvement, the, the biggest areas are always kitchen, bathroom. Um, of course, you know, clean up, declutter, those are all for every property. But if you were to try and get some value add out of a home, maybe it's a little bit dated, those are definitely the biggest areas. So uh, kitchen, bathrooms, and then overall paint just to get it into a, a more, more uh, updated color palette are you saying that that those are the most bang for their buck areas yes but maybe not necessary like it used to be mostly most of the time not necessary yeah Yeah. at least not right now cool yeah when we sold our house we had to again prostitute living there (laughs) two huge dogs we had to completely gut the home to sell it new carpet new paint new flooring throughout super fun we should do a podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) don't want to do that again no it was rough Okay. Wow. Any other advice for sellers besides upgrades? Um, I'm thinking of inspections or any other kind of logistical things. What do you encourage them to do? Or is there anything specific? Um, I guess this wouldn't necessarily be advice, but more just uh, a heads up on why right now could be, you know, the best time or is the best time for you to sell is essentially you sellers are getting everything that they could ask for. So price, you know, as long as it's within the realm of what the actual market value is. They're getting the price they want. They are getting the terms they want, which means the appraisal means nothing. The buyer's going to pay the price that we agree on. Um, Inspections are for the most part done for information only. So just want to make sure there's nothing huge going on. It Um, feels like what you said about uh, appraisals aren't really, don't really count. That seems like a recipe for disaster because if I'm a buyer, the appraisal has to meet like a certain loan to value ratio, right? Correct. So that's where on the buying side, uh, the individuals, for sure the cash buyers, but the individuals that have a little bit more cash buffer are able to put out these very strong offers. To close that gap. Exactly. And an offer to close that gap. Um, What we've been seeing, though, is a lot of times that gap is not nearly as big as asking price to agreed upon price. Mm. You know, it might be a few percentage low. A lot of times it's coming in actually at that agreed upon price. So that gap, it doesn't need to be covered um, all that often. Uh, But yeah, so sellers are getting that. So whatever you agree on with that buyer, most of the time you're getting that number regardless of what the appraisal is. 
is. Um, and then the other one is uh, really any other terms that you might need. If you're building a home and you need two months after uh, closing to stay in the home before you move out, most likely you'll get that right now. Um, so rent back opportunities, again, uh, appraisal, inspection, price, you're, you're getting pretty much every um, every dial that buyers or sellers can turn and it's towards the seller's direction right now. Well, thank you so much. That was extremely helpful. Um, and uh, if people want to get in touch with you or uh, see more of you on social media, where can they find you? Yeah. Yep. So uh, my personal page is a, is a great start. So on Instagram, that's just Jesse underscore Taff. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, it would be great to follow the, the real estate team as we put out a lot of information between myself and the, the agents on the team. What is your team? We never discussed we just, that in the very the beginning. Oh, did we? Yep. Yep. So Waypoint, Waypoint Real Estate Group, uh, and we are at uh, the Boise Premier Real Estate Brokerage, and yeah, started that a little over a year and a half, two years ago, and we're we're growing quickly and uh, taking a big market share and really uh, providing some value for our clients. And for people who aren't on social media, what's your email if they want to ask you any questions? Yeah. Yep. So pretty simple. So real estate, just like it's spelled, at jessetaff.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Thanks. Thanks uh, for you guys. And yeah, feel free to reach out, send over any comments or questions and happy to happy to chat with anyone that uh, wants to dive into this market a little bit more. Sounds good. All, All right. right. Thanks, everyone. The Boise Bubble podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise. Interested in buying a Volkswagen in the Treasure Valley? Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time.